Hey there, welcome to How I Got Hired, the podcast to inspire ambitious professionals just like you to find that job you love or completely reinvent your career. I'm your host, Sonal Behel, founder of Supercharge and career strategist. And every week, I hold conversations with ordinary people from around the world who've had extraordinary success in finding their dream job so you can learn how they got hired. And today I'm speaking with Dan Reed. So I came across Dan on LinkedIn, where let's face it, most of our networking is currently taking place. Yeah, since 2020, right? So what drew me to Dan's profile are two things. Number one, he's part of a growing tribe of dads who talk about being a dad, who want a rewarding and successful career, but not at the expense of family. I can't tell you how refreshing it is to hear more and more men speak about this. And number two, Dan recently started at Adobe in digital strategy after seven years at Barclays Bank. So there's definitely a story there on how he got hired at Adobe. And I'm dying to find out. So Dan, very warm welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. This has been on my mind all morning. Oh my gosh. It's been on my mind all week. So I (laughs) win, okay? I win. win. (laughs) So Dan, before we get cracking on all things interviews and job search and, Mm -hmm. you know, blogging and all of that stuff, all of the good stuff, I want to take you back a little bit and talk about Shakespeare romance and Shakespeare (laughs) tragedy because apparently this is what you studied at university I'm obviously among other things and then you start working at a leading British bank so Mm. Shakespeare bank I don't know Mm. so like help us connect the dots here and yeah you're saying that it's not it's not obvious uh, (laughs) yeah Uh, and and also talk to us the second part is also talk to us about what helped you to stand out and get hired at Barclays yeah for sure no absolutely so I think the first thing to say is you're absolutely right I I went to university not knowing what I wanted to do with my life Um, And actually, I didn't want to go to university. I wanted to just start working, uh, but my parents had other ideas. So, yeah, so that that was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a bone of contention. So as my kind of last act of rebellion, I was like, right, I'm going to university. Uh, I I like reading. I'm pretty good at English. So I'm going to spend three years just reading. That's what I'm going to do. So I did an English um, literature, an American literature degree. Uh, Yes, and a lot of it focused on Shakespeare, uh, romance and tragedy and creative writing and American literature. Uh, So I I guess the the short answer is it has absolutely nothing to do with banking. Absolutely nothing. Um, I think the thing that I've learned, and, and particularly if you've got listeners who are very at the early stages of their career or even potentially still in education, unless you're going into that you're studying a field that requires that knowledge for that role. So law, doctor, you know, that Mm. kind of thing. Actually, the education's just about the ability to be able to find information, consume that information and present that information in a way that means something to others, Mm -hmm. which is pretty much all work is. Mm. So I think, Mm. you know, anyone who's thinking, am I doing the right course? Am I doing the right thing? There isn't really a wrong course unless you want to be a lawyer and you're doing construction. Like that, that's different. Um, So yeah, I I, I kind of finished that degree, didn't know what I wanted to do, um, didn't want to be a teacher. A lot of my friends would finish English degrees and being teachers. 
Uh, so I, I worked for a bit in recruitment, hated it, uh, and it's just, just not for me. Um, and, and then I went back to university to do a master's in advertising and marketing. Um, so when I finished that, and also I should say, when I did my undergrad, I basically partied the whole three years. I did sure. a minimum amount of work. I got a 2-2, which is okay, but it's not it's not what I could have done. So there was part of me as well. I'm very competitive, and I but I'm competitive with myself. Mm. And when when I started thinking about doing a master's, I was like, I can do better than a two-two. So so I went, I applied myself, I got a distinction. Um, that really set me up. But what I found is I had two degrees, no work experience in marketing. I couldn't get an entry-level job. I got to the point where I was writing, this was what, 2009? And, and I was writing to local companies and global companies, like pen and paper, writing to them, saying, I will work for free. Mm. I just need experience. Now, there's a whole side conversation of the privilege of being able to do that. And, you know, we could talk about that. No, but, but it's also, uh, just to recap the memory, it's also 2009 was the, you know, the global financial crisis oh, also. That didn't help. Right. And and, and so this that's a very good point because... Again, some of my more clued up friends at university, they started their third year um, in, uh, and they were applying for grad schemes. And I'm like, you've still got another year left with you. Mm. What are you doing? And so my whole thing was finish uni in 2008, summer of 2008, go to America for three, four months. That'll be fun. I'll come back and get a job. And best I came back. Plans, best laid right? plans. And, you know, came back to a recession. Yeah. Uh, and 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 so it wasn't it wasn't possible. So yeah, fast forward another kind of year and a half, and I was just writing to all these companies, and then and then um, interestingly, and this is going to feature quite heavily, particularly with the Barclays Adobe story, how I got my very first shot at a job was networking, mm -hmm. was just mm -hmm. being introduced to someone at the university of the town I was living who had just started a scheme putting interns into uh, small companies in the area. So I managed to get an unpaid 20 hour a week internship uh, for a very small company. I was there 40 hours a week, thought if I'm not getting paid, I'm here for the experience. I might as well be there Monday to Friday, nine to five thirty. So I did that. That is then what enabled me to get my first paid marketing job. Um, and then it got to the point where I'd done a few small companies. I'd done a few large corporates. I am that stereotypical extrovert. I feed off people's energy. I need to be in an organization that is huge. Yeah, yeah. And then enter Barclays. And Ah, yeah. I'm just going to pause you for a second. We're going to talk about Barclays in a little bit more detail. But I love this backstory. I don't want to study. Mom and dad say you need to study. You're like, OK, I'm going to study, but I'm going to study what I want. Right. Yeah. So there's already that rebel in there. Um, yeah. uh, and you uh, our, our audience can't see, but you've got these gorgeous tattoos. And we're going to talk about Thank that. You. And I'm guessing there's a rebel, <laughs> you know, rebellious tattoo yeah. thing going on. Um, and the second thing, which our audience could not see, but I was sipping my tea when you said, uh, I got into recruitment. I hated it. Like that made me laugh so much <laughs> when you are in a position and it's not sparking mm -hmm. joy to mm -hmm. borrow Marie Kondo, you know, it instantly, like it's so like, instantly. it's funny. We're laughing about it, but you must've been so miserable. Like, what am I 
doing here yeah right and 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 also in kind of the road between entry jobs and starting Barclays there's about three years in in there I I had jobs there was one job in particular that genuinely I would cry on a Monday morning because I hated it that yeah. much it's so clear it's like the universe is giving oh yeah I don't know what to this is a clear sign dude yeah. <laughs> you don't I know, like and, it and, and the thing is the message that I got from kind of my, my dad and his generation was you have to stay somewhere for at least two years. Otherwise, you're seen as a flight risk. And I remember being about three weeks into this company, <laughs> knowing that I hated it. And the reason that, that I'd, I'd cry more than once was because I thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this for another two years. Yeah, you were like, and I can barely manage two weeks, Dad. Two, exactly. two years, is, two years is, is a stretch. Exactly. And, and Dan, um, this is very, I'm sorry, this is really painful to listen to. 40 hours <laughs> yeah. unpaid. Yeah. Um, that's a separate topic in itself. Mm -hmm. So how were you supporting yourself? Were you with mom and dad at the time? Yeah. So, so thankfully, um, so I met my now wife at university. Uh, we've been together for a long time. Um, her parents were uh, teachers with the MOD. So they lived abroad um, and they, uh, with, with the MOD, they give you a house kind of where you are posted. So they were posted in Germany um, and that they had their own house uh, in Northampton. Uh, so they said, look, the house is there. There's no one living in it. They did the whole, oh, you'd actually be doing us a favor. I'm thinking, yeah, right. Uh, uh, you know, uh, but yeah, the, the, the long story short is they very kindly let us live there, uh, rent free, bills free, you know, they okay. only outgoing. That you're, was you're food. very lucky. And we've exactly. talked about your, we've talked about your in-laws before. You're lucky in more, <laughs> in more ways yeah, than one. Bad. So, so how did like, so, so Barclays like land on your lap? Did you apply? Yeah. What's the detail? Yeah, for sure. So, um, so I was at the job that I was crying, going to work to hating it. <laughs> um, and, and I wasn't actually there that long, which probably won't be a surprise. I was there for about five months, but I was actually made redundant in the end. Um, and I, I sensed it was coming before mm. it happened because the role that I was doing was was a I was the marketing department, but part of that was field field marketing and events marketing. And it was, can you go to Dubai? Can you go to China? And I was like, this is amazing. Uh, and then it was suddenly, oh, we don't need you to do that anymore. And then one day, how I actually found out I was made redundant, I went in to log into the back end of the website to do some editing and it just said access revoked. Oh, and so I, I know. Um, but because but were I, you secretly relieved then? I mean... Yes and no, because this was also about a month before my wedding. We just bought a house, so we uh -oh. had a mortgage. So I think financially, I yeah. was worried. Yeah. Um, but just for my own well-being, well, well-being wasn't really talked about no. as it as it is now. But yeah. definitely for my own well-being, I was I was happy. Oh. But I guess the the reason that's important is because I could sense things weren't going quite right. I'd started putting some feelers out there. And when I was then made redundant, I just went heavy and I did the traditional job application thing. So I wasn't yeah. really massive on networking. So yeah. I just applied for things. Yeah. And what happened is um, I'd applied for Barclays or Barclay card. Um, and then uh, I'd actually gone to an interview for it's not even this isn't even on my CV. This is like you cannot find this out about me unless we talk about it. Um, I went to uh, an agency um, and did an interview for a job there. They offered me the job on the spot and, and I took it because why wouldn't you? And, and literally the next day, Barclay Card called me up and said, 
we'd love to give you a second interview. I already had one interview. And I said, I, I can't. And, and this is how I felt. I thought I can't do that interview because I've literally just started this, this job. Mm. Um, and thankfully, the hiring manager was fab. Um, she, she was actually amazing. She, she said, look, um, I know you can't take time off work. What I'll do, um, the Barclay Card office is on the way to the agency I was going to, but I had to be at the agency at like half eight. She mm. said, I'll meet you if you're happy to at 7.30. We'll oh. do your interview at 7.30. It'll just be half an hour. That'll then give you enough time to kind of get to, to work. And that's who, what I did. Who does that? Yeah, someone uh, someone amazing. I yeah. Um, and and so, yeah, so then, then three days into this job, um, which already was starting to look a little bit dodgy, it was kind of a I won't I won't name the company but they because they are still in operation but they were using some kind of tactics that I, I didn't really agree with um <laughs> and so yeah so I handed in my notice well I didn't hand in my notice I actually said I've been here three days and I've got offered a job at, at a Barclay card I got shouted at bad oh, like it was oh. and I just thought you know what I'll let them then I'll go and that's that's kind of how I ended up at, at Barclay card but you know going from those smaller type of companies the thing that the thing that's always served me well for people that are at the start of their career journey and they might not have that experience is passion and and don't undervalue passion and and you know I I remember I said about that kind of unpaid internship and landing my first kind of proper marketing job I remember saying in in that interview I said you you will interview people who have more experience than me uh, I've got 3 months of an internship but you will not interview someone who is more passionate about doing a good job as me. You just yeah. won't. Yeah. No, and yeah. and they, they took that risk and that yeah. risk, you know, paid off. It paid off big time. Mm. And um, uh, attitude is so underrated. Mm. Um, uh, you don't have the experience, but you have something that others don't. So I love yeah. that you uh, stress that. So was it that half an hour interview on the way to work that, got you the job at Barclays Cards oh wow that was it so I, I'd done I'd done a couple of interviews before that um but yeah this was kind of the final the head of the department it was almost like the sense check is this guy is he okay like is he gonna get up with the team and stuff um and I I really like people so I find yeah. it quite easy to build yeah. a rapport yeah um and a lot of interview the thing is as well now being on the other side of it of having been a hiring manager and built yes. a team you know, it's there's this really nice quote um, that is, it's not that you have the qualifications, it's that you don't have the disqualifications. And I think that that's, if you think about that, there are so many people who have the skills to be able to do the job, but there's actually, a, there's very few people who have the who, who don't possess the skills that are going to make them not fit for the job, i.e. rub teams up the wrong way, be a nightmare to work with, complain about everything. Um, and that's always stuck with me. And, and I, I'd, I'd like, you know, listeners to think about that. Yeah. Think about People's the disqualification. Yes, yeah. that's a great point. People skills and interpersonal skills. There's a lot. Yeah. Uh, and that's, it's such a funny one because we all think we're great at that yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that yeah. that uh there's how do you say uh you can never read what's 
on the tin if you're inside yeah, the tin so you so you true. need that external point of view so Absolutely. um love it um and i want to talk about your tats very briefly sure uh and you started talking about it on social media as well right so talk to us yeah talk to us about i know and dan you and i have spoken uh, before <laughs> we have a little we have a little tat story that i know you have but uh, do you also think like you know it's becoming more and more um acceptable at the workplace yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So yeah, it's, this doesn't really work so well on, on audio. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've kind of got a pretty much full sleeve of, of tattoos uh, on one arm and, and kind of a few on, on my other arm. Mm. Uh, and they're, they're all, for, for, for people who can't see, uh, they're all centered around things that I loved as a kid. So it's very cartoony, Super Mario, Pokemon, Transformers, uh, that, that's kind of what I grew up with. Um, and uh, yeah, so they're, they're my tattoos. But... I also knew that I wanted to have this kind of corporate type job. And those two things don't really coexist or they definitely didn't. And so I remember getting my first tattoo. I was 18. Uh, I also, um, I'm terrified of needles, which is kind of funny. Y- yeah, no, I know. So when I said to my mum, uh, my, my parents uh, divorced when I was quite young. So I grew up with my mum. And I said, mum, I mean, this is not a sentence any parent wants to hear. Mum, I'm going to be late home from school because I'm getting a tattoo. Okay. Uh, yeah. And she was like, ha, 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 because you're terrified of needles. And I was like, no, I'm serious. Uh, and then she was begging me, please don't do it. Please don't do it. And again, you mentioned that rebellious streak. I was like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, so so I did. And, and I remember I, I got my first tattoo and, and the guy who did it, he was like, oh, I'll see you in a few weeks. And I was like, what are you on about? I just wanted this one tattoo. And he's like, you'll be back. Uh, and you do, you get the itch. You're like, oh yeah, I want to get more. I want to get more. Um, but yeah, I didn't tell my dad uh, for about four years. Uh, so that was quite hard. That's hard. Um, so especially in like the summer, wearing long sleeves is, is hard, but that takes us actually quite nicely onto when I'd started Barclays, there's a huge unconscious bias around tattoos. Um, and I also have it. So I can see, you know, I, I the rule that I have about my own tattoos are, are nothing below the wrist, like onto my hands and nothing above the neck. So if I wanted to wear a full sleeved shirt, I can be completely covered. That's just my rule. Mm. But then even I will look at people with kind of like face tattoos or hand tattoos and be like, ooh, what's what's their deal? What's yeah, their or, story? you know, unlike you with Superman and Mario Brothers, you know, it could be like this naked lady with big oh, hair. Yeah. And like, what's up with that? Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think that's the other thing as well, because I, I kind of mentioned that I, I went to the US for three or four months. I was actually working at a kid's summer camp. And so that was one of the things as well is like, who's the, I'm also six foot five. Who's this massive Brit covered in tattoos? You're who's, six five? yeah. I mean, you yeah. can't tell, obviously, on screen. Yeah, I've said that, right? But yeah, I think if there's a, I'll, I'll have to, I'll send you a photo, I, I assure you. But, and, um, and do you think it's getting more and more acceptable, Dan? Being 6'5"? No. <laughs> <laughs> the tattoo, tattoo thing is, at, at workplace? At yeah. <laughs> so I think, I, think, I think it is, but um, I think that's taken time. I remember, and this was years ago, there was this French lawyer who had like the septum piercing to so the nose uh, ring. She had loads of tattoos and she won this like, I can't, this was about 10 years ago, but she won this really prestigious case. And she's like this tattoo punk kind of lawyer. And I think that did quite a lot just in people's minds of, oh, you can have a tattoo and be competent at your job. Who yeah. knew? Yeah. Um, 
but there is that stigma that you've kind of chosen a certain lifestyle if you have tattoos. Yeah. And and I have always wanted to be judged on my merit, not mm. on what people decide for me. So when I again when I started Barclays for the first month or so, I would I no one knew I had tattoos. Even in the heat of the summer, I was wearing <laughs> long sleeve shirts. Yeah. And there was this one day and it was so hot uh, and I just rolled up my sleeves and we were at a team offsite. The whole department was there. And I remember one of the, one of the women going, oh, I would have never thought you'd be the kind of person to have tattoos. And, and that was it. I was like, and what do you mean by that? Yeah. Because it's, and, and, and it, it just kind of proved to me that it's still so true. Yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, now there's a lot more talk about bringing your authentic self to work. Bringing your whole self. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, now <clears throat> I think some of it is respect as well. So, you know, my, my tattoos aren't offensive, which, mm. well, I don't know if you don't like Pokemon or something, maybe, but they're not, you know, they're, they're, there's no swearing, there's no nudity, yeah. there's no, yeah. they're things that my kids like to look at. And, yeah. You know, so I think that's, that's cool. Um but I have to also respect other people's views of tattoos. And so especially when I'm doing client meetings or anything, I anything that is more traditionally formal, I will still wear a shirt and I will still sure. want to, because perception's important, you know, perception's sure. more important than reality. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, after this, I'll be going to quote the office I mean I'll still be in this room but I'll be doing meetings with very senior people at sure. Adobe with my tattoos on show and it's not a problem it's not a problem it comes down to a lot of the culture and um, yes. it's interesting what you said about oh I didn't expect you to be the kind of person so that's uh, yeah. very clear there's a bias in there um, mm -hmm. and and I I love the honesty here you also have certain biases when you see <laughs> you know knuckles or yeah. tongue you know or eyebrows mm -hmm. so uh you know obviously come the way you want to come at work with with some common sense right and and uh, yeah. knowing who is on the other side and I love this um I would not have expected it but there's something about like okay I'm terrified of needles and yeah. and yeah. I'm gonna get a tattoo so mm -hmm. there's something about facing your fears something got in your head like a bug and it wouldn't leave I think it was more yeah I, I it may be facing fears but I think it was more do I want the do I want the thing more than I'm not looking forward to the thing? If that kind of makes sense, the way that I kind of, I've always looked at life is because people, even when I was getting these tattoos, I was 19, 20, and I'm getting like kids video game tattoos. Yeah. And people are saying to me like, <laughs> what are your kids going to think about this when you're older, when you're 60, are you going to? And my whole thing, even back then was, I'd rather regret doing something than regret not. Yeah. And and I just think even though there's, there's some of my tattoos that I'm like, why did I get that done? But I remember why I got that done. And that's a nice memory. And so yeah, you think, yeah. well, yeah. Yeah. And I love the the image of you um, in your early 20s in the US in a kid's summer camp, six foot five. For our listeners following the metric system, that's 193 centimeters. That's not nothing. Yeah. Uh, but it just makes me laugh because uh -huh. <laughs> you're sweating and you're know, like yeah. full sleeves and then half sleeves and kids are like whoa who's yeah. this yeah so <laughs> i basically <laughs> rocked up in like a tank top uh like yeah backwards baseball cap i used to have really long hair as well um so do you yeah. have a picture from back then i can set so i can send you a picture Please where do. i used to have dreadlocks <laughs> and 
<laughs> and uh, I used to, I think I probably had about 15 piercings at one point. So I had my tongue done, my nose twice. You're kidding. Lip. I'll send you a photo. Uh, you need to send that. To me. <laughs> I, I'm going to definitely splash it everywhere. Yeah, uh, thank you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, not. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about um, during your time at Barclays, because I have mm-hmm. a three-part question now. Okay. That is when you started your blog and your podcast career, mm-hmm. Dad careerdad.co.uk um so let's talk about um part one what made you start and then what's been the most rewarding thing about starting it and and number three any advice for someone who's looking to start either a blog or a podcast or a youtube channel you know they're just sort of at the you know yeah at the cusp of it but haven't quite taken the plunge what would be um your tips to help that person got it so point one why did i start um, I started so so yeah I, I've got two kids um, I've got a now nearly seven year old and a, and a two year old um, but I think without giving you like a huge backstory I, I kind of mentioned my parents were divorced when I was young that uh, impacted me quite a lot and growing up I knew I'm sure that everyone does but I I just really felt to my core that I wanted to get married, have kids and stay together and provide that stable kind of environment that I didn't have. Um, But then as I started working, I realized I was actually quite good at this whole work thing. You know, having kind of coasted, really coasted throughout all of my education until doing my master's and being like, oh, I actually applied to myself and I got a good result. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started working and started applying myself and you get promoted and you're like, oh, this is quite nice. So what I found is when my kids came along, this real tension between I was working quite a lot. I was working um, a little bit in Germany, a lot in London. So it's a two hour commute for me each way. So a four hour commuting day. And then, you know, you finish work and your boss says, hey, do you want to go for a beer and talk about this project? And you're like, well, obviously I do. But then I'm going to be home at nine o'clock and my wife's a single parent Monday to Friday. And I, I and you'll like, and you'll miss bedtime on a consistent basis. Yeah, miss everything. It's like mm. I, I remember uh, when my son was little and he didn't sleep very well, mm. and we went to the doctors just to have a you know a checkup. And I said, oh, he's not sleeping very well. And she said, talk me through your routine. And basically, it was well, I leave while he's asleep for work, and I get if I get home early. Sometimes I would leave the office early, but getting home early was like seven, mm. so he'd be ready to go to sleep, mm. and I'd be like, let's play. And the, and the doctor was like, well, you can't. You have to mm. realize that your role at that mm. point is kind of calm down by bedtime. Wind, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, I don't want to be just that. that. I want to do that. But I don't want my son or my daughter growing up thinking, oh, dad's just the wind down guy. Like, I want to be the... So, so yeah. And I think so. All, and the reason I'm saying this, because I think there were all these thoughts going through my head. And I found myself uh, with a tension of of selfishly wanting to pursue my career. And we can we can kind of talk about that because I never thought it was selfish, um, but also wanting to be a present parent. And I really struggled with guilt and anxiety and I ended up going to therapy for quite a while. And it was because I couldn't find time to do anything for me because I, I couldn't conceive how I would make time for myself when I don't feel I'm already giving enough to my family because I'm giving everything to work. Um, and so, yeah, so then it got to the point where, where career dad was forming in my head. Cause I thought, 
why is this mutually exclusive? Why? And that was, again, the message that I got from kind of my dad's generation. I remember my dad saying to me once, you've kind of got to decide whether you want a career or you want to be a dad. And I'm oh. like, and I'm like, huh, yeah. <laughs> I see how this happened. And how did that um, turn out, dad? I yeah, mean, come on. Exactly. No. And I was like, and again, this rebellious streak, I've yeah. kind of channeled a bit better now. I yeah. don't just like lash out. I go, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I, and that's my now rebellious streak. Yeah. So when, you know, when my, my, again, my dad's kind of said to me, you know, to get ahead, you've got to kind of, not in these words, but you've kind of got to throw people under the bus. You've got to look out for yourself. And I was like, I don't agree with that. I'm going to be more successful than you, but I'm going to be nice. And I don't and, think they're mutually And exclusive. do it my way. No, exactly. that's, that's really good. So, so what you're saying is, um, so, so for someone listening who's toying with the idea, you know what um, I think Simon Sinek or somebody said, your why matters. And, and mm. you had a very deep why. Uh, uh, someone said to me, your why should make you cry. Like yeah. not should, I don't like should, but you know, it's like so personal. Um, yeah. And there's this force inside of you, like I got to do it. And then, you know, I've, I've got to express myself and it might attract uh, a certain yeah. tribe of uh, other uh, parents, particularly dads who have this whole burden of being the provider, and, yeah. um, you know, career, career, go for drinks, fish and chips. And the kids are like, you know, see you yeah. uh, at our wedding. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly right. And I thought, actually, I am choosing to create the thing that I so was so determined not to create and it's now it's not like my parents divorce where you know obviously my dad had a role to play in that but he didn't choose to see me every other weekend I was choosing to work um and you so, say yeah so 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 career dad was just uh I wanted to find something out there that talks about work in a positive way yeah. not just works this horrible thing you have to get through to live your life but we spend so much of our time at work if you yeah. don't enjoy it it's time to do something you do hallelujah, hallelujah. And, and so I thought and th but there wasn't there was nothing out there that said work is positive and this is how to progress at work and parenting is great too and I thought well I'm just gonna put something on LinkedIn and say, hey, dads, does this resonate with you? If I said the word career dad, mm. my inbox was flooded mm. across all seniorities. You know, mm. I've had CEOs of large companies message me being like, I love what you're doing. Aww. And and I just think that's that's the why. Yeah. If someone can get something from it. If I, yeah. I'm, as you probably guess, I'm a huge oversharer. If me sharing some of my experiences and I'm really comfortable talking about therapy and things that I struggled with. And, and if that helps other people to make that normal and mission, apply that mission. to their own lives. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Job, job done. Yeah. No, I'm exactly. Happy. And and I'm sure, uh, Dan, you've heard this before. Yes, I, I do uh, uh, agree about the oversharing. Like, I know you cannot make a cup of cappuccino if your life depended on it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, the lockdown, lowdown, anyone's wondering what's, what's going on. Yeah. Dan's big on TikTok and I'm going to share the URL uh, because during last year, it was like lockdown, lowdown. So every day, these one minute or 59 second videos about what's happening at um, at home and also mm. managing work. Um, and I'm sure you, you know, you're told about the fact that yes, you do have a lot of moms talking about this, you but do. not dads. Right. And that's probably one of the things that helped, you know, to get you noticed. Yeah. And, and I think as well, you know, I'm a huge advocate and fighter of gender equality. And I think that actually dads need to be a part of that conversation because yes. until, until there's a societal norm about yes. the school calling me, when yes. my son's ill, 
Yes. Then how, you know, I go, I go and take the kids out for lunch just with um, by myself and I'll get people genuinely congratulating me or, you know, saying, well done for doing a good job. Like <sighs> with, with my wife, yeah. like, why, you know, and people say, oh, you're such a good dad. So I'm just doing basic parenting. <laughs> so whilst, whilst there is this whole, yes, let's, let's celebrate dads and so let's bring dads together. And we have some pretty heavy conversations at times. There's also the let's not put dads on this pedestal for doing basic parenting. Yeah. Because that has to stop. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for existing, Dan. I'm just gonna say that. And and you know, um, because otherwise it's like preaching to the choir. It's the same yeah. set of people talking about the same set of things, and you don't have the other half in the conversation. Absolutely. So um totally agree with you. We're gonna change gears now and I want to okay. talk about Adobe mm. and I want to talk about how this happened. And and yeah. you said that um uh the, the, some of the techniques and some of the strategies you used to get in were uh pretty similar to how you got in at Barclays. So explain. Yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. So I think, um, you know, Adobe is just a company that that just resonates deeply within my core. There's just something about that culture and brand and the technology and people that basically, you know, we kind of joked that this is, whilst I've just started, that it's been like a three-year interview. And, and the reason that I say that is because how I ended up at Adobe is through networking. Yeah. And, and I, and I want to I wanna talk about that in a way that isn't scary because I think that networking can often be used as this dirty word of, put a name badge on and stand in a bar full of other people trying to sell stuff. And also very vague, right? Yeah. I mean, what means. And so before you go on, a dancing sure. question, when you said you were very drawn to the culture and the people, et cetera, yeah. you were on the outside, I was looking, on the outside. looking in. So yeah. how did you know that you were attracted to the culture? Uh, I, I make it my mission to befriend people. So, so, and again, this is, this is kind of, this is linked nicely to kind of quote unquote networking, because I used to hate the idea of networking until I flipped it around in my head and thought, actually, I'm just trying to make friends yes. or not, not even that. I'm just trying to meet people and yes. learn about them. Yes. And so for anyone who says, oh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit scared of networking, I'm thinking all you have to do is just ask questions yeah. and try, I mean, ideally genuinely be interested, yes. or if not, just try to be interested. So all of my networking is, tell me about yourself. What do you do here? And where are you from? Oh, do you do this? Oh, you know, and it's just building some sort of rapport. And yeah, so I was on the outside. I think the the kind of the nice little tie is when I was at Barclays, uh, Adobe, our vendor. So I had started to meet a few people there over the last few years. Um, but yeah, I, what my, what I started to do and my advice for anyone is, is find the type of company that you think that you want to be at. Meet people in those teams who are part of the teams you might want to be a part of and just talk to them. Mm -hmm. And that isn't like genuinely go on LinkedIn and go, I want to work at Nike in the marketing department. So I'm going to search who works at Nike in the yes. marketing department. Yes. There are these 300 people. And oh, I went to the same university yes. as that person. Yes, the, search, the search functionality is so underrated. It's, it's so, so good mm. and free. Yes. You, know, you don't need to pay for these things. Yes. And so it's kind of that's I was doing the equivalent of that. But I kind of made one really good friend at Adobe. And she after about six months of working together, um, me at Barclays, her at Adobe. And she said, look, I think 
you seem like you're interested in Adobe. I think Adobe would be interested in you. Um, would you like to be introduced to some people? And I was, yes, yes, yes. This was 2018, bearing in mind I started in July 2021, and I met people. And the guy who I met, um, the, well, I met a lot of people, but the, the, one of the guys I met, a guy called Thomas, we just hit it off. Mm. Uh, he was uh, the director for the digital strategy group at Adobe for EMEA. Um, that's exactly the type of thing I wanted to do. And he said, there's nothing. There are no roles, but look, I like you. Let's keep in touch. Yeah. And we did. Yeah. And we kept in touch. We spoke three or four times a year, every year, and it would never really be about work. It yeah. would be, how are the kids? Yeah. How are they? Oh, but what are, maybe what are you doing at work? Anyway, long story short, it gets to February of this year. And, uh, and he calls me and says, um, we've got, I've got a role. And it might be, it might be the right type thing. It might not. I know you've just taken on this brand new job at Barclays, but this is as good a time as any. So let's have a conversation. And I, that was really hard for me because I'd just taken on a new job at Barclays. I was loving it. I was loving my team. My boss is fantastic. And I really had to take a step back. And I thought, if I, if I imagine five years in the future at Barclays, what does that look like? And I could map it out. I could see the promotion. I could see growing the team. I could see, uh, okay, that's pretty cool. Now, what would five years at Adobe look like in the future? I thought, I've got no clue. I've got no clue. Oh. But that's quite exciting, exciting. and scary. Yeah. And so, yeah, so how, you know, how I got the job at Adobe is, um, is networking authentic building relationships but also you know because people say oh that just proves it's 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 who you know what not what you know I'm like but you also have to know what you know you yeah. can't just know the who that's the basis um, um, but oh my gosh so I I want to unpack this for a second because mm -hmm. um so when they called up and said we have a role for you mm. um was that advertised Oh yeah, yeah. So this this is it, and 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 I want to be super clear on this as well. There was there was not a hey Dan, here's a contract. There was there was hey Dan, we've been talking for three years. Yes. Um, you know, nothing's either the right role has come up, but it's been a bit too junior, or there's a role that came up and it went away. You know, pandemic. Um, and and this was this is a role, and it might not even be a right fit because the job I do at Adobe now is quite different to the job yeah. I was doing at Barclays. Um, but let's have a conversation about whether it could be the right role. And if we both think it is, then let's put you through the process. I, I like the fact that they reached out to you. So did you see this vacancy published in like yeah. you know, their website? Oh, okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Got so it. I, actually LinkedIn as well. LinkedIn, LinkedIn. Yeah. But 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 I, I love the fact that um, you stayed in touch because when yeah. people say, you know, we don't have the right role. First of all, when you got in touch with this dude, uh, he was doing exactly what you wanted. Europe, Middle East, Africa, digital, uh, digital yeah. media strategy. And you were like, that's exactly what I, that's what I wanted. Someone who's listening and like, 
when you see someone doing exactly what you want to do, mm. uh, you can either be positive and get in touch and say, oh man, I love it. I want to hear about your career journey. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a random dude, but, you know, or there can be these, you know, envy, jealousy yeah, yeah, type yeah. things. going. On. And I love that it, in your case, it was the former. And second, you said, let's keep in touch, but you did. Yeah. You know, everyone says that, yeah. but two, three times a year, birthday, Christmas, how are the kids? And you're not talking shop. No. The person doesn't feel like, there's an ulterior motive you know and I think that's really important because often when I say you know try and build authentic relationships that's not just saying so any jobs because that's going to get old real quick it's going to get old and and people feel used nobody likes that and and I've always said the same thing it's I love that you said that networking is about making friends because we don't help strangers we help exactly exactly and this is why I think it's so important to try and build those those relationships I think that is how people get jobs now you still have to go through the process you know I still had a really hardcore interview process at Adobe nothing was Um, said nothing was set in stone nothing was set in stone but you were probably one of the leading candidates, Dan, because there was something called confirmation bias and familiarity like you're a slightly less risk compared to I'm, I'm guessing someone like from, from the random. street. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, and just, just to tie that in with the whole career dad thing as well, because some, sometimes, you know, I've often had, well, hang on a minute, you're talking about career dad, you're putting a lot of time and energy into that. Is that actually going to conflict with this career that you ah. want to have? You know, how are you, how are you going to manage the two? And I've always thought these can coexist. They, they don't, they're not, you know, one cannot survive without the other. Well, actually, I, my career could survive without career dad, but potentially from an emotional perspective, it couldn't. Anyway, that's a tangent. My point being, when I had my final interview at Adobe and I'm sat in front of kind of the, the, the head of sales for, for UK and Ireland at Adobe and we're having a talk, we'd never met him before. And said, oh, I'm Dan. He said, yeah, no, I, I've, I've listened to your podcast. I've seen, I've seen career dad. Yes. And I was like, oh, yes. I said, what? And, and, and what do you think? And he's like, I think it's great. We, we're all living it, right? We're oh. all trying to. And, and so, you know, that didn't, that didn't get me the job, but it, it definitely helped and it definitely didn't. It hurt. It didn't hurt. Take Num- away. Yeah, no, exactly. Number one, it didn't hurt. Number two, there may have been a little bit of a nudge. There is this power of creating authentic, beautiful content. Mm. And that is so good. That is so good. I'm, I'm loving this completely. <laughs> and um, unfortunately, we're coming close to the end yeah. and time's flown, you know, Dan. Um, I have this one last question that I sure. ask all my guests. Dan, um, when you look back yeah. um, in your entire career, is there one standout defining moment? that helped supercharge your career and helped you towards your current success? So, yeah, I think there's two and I'll keep it, I'll keep it brief. Um, I think the first was I got promoted quite quickly at Barclays and I ended up being, you know, a head of marketing technology relatively young and early in my career. And that was because I had someone above who really saw some potential in me and gave me those opportunities. And I really looked to her as both a mentor and a sponsor. Mm -hmm. And so I think finding whatever stage of career that you're in, finding both a mentor and a sponsor, whether they're the same person or different people, that is, you can't replace that. So I think that was definitely a turning point. 
And, and I think the other thing is actually, as I just alluded to with, with Thomas, I think if I could have very easily, when that opportunity came up, either three years ago to talk to the guy or during those three years to keep in touch with the guy to say, no, because what's in it for me, this is a waste of time. And I think when I talk to people around to do this type of networking and, and say it took me three years yeah. and people go, I don't want to wait three years. Yeah. And I'm, and my whole thing is you don't have to, they don't, they coexist with, you know, I still got promotions during that time. You don't have to just focus on the whole three year networking thing. But my whole thing is if it's going to take three years and that's where you want to be, why not start now? Because would you rather look for, you know, in, in 12 months time, would you rather look back and say, I'm really glad I started that 12 months ago because I'm now on this journey? Or would you go, ah, I wish I started? Oh my gosh. That's, that's like uh, exactly like, um, you know, the Chinese expression, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The <laughs> yeah. next best time is today. Uh, yeah. There's something about planting and nurturing a garden mm. uh, and expecting immediate uh, ripe yes. fruit, right? So it's a process and I'm glad you took the time to nurture the garden, sun, water, fertilizer. And now mm. with everything going on, I'm so happy for you. We're Thank we're you. we're recording this. You're welcome. We're recording this in July, 2021. Uh, you have just started Adobe a couple of weeks ago. So it's really, really fresh. And I'm seeing everything that you're posting on LinkedIn and you're so happy and I'm happy for you. It is worth the wait um, of those three years. So I think that's one of the key messages. If the listener doesn't remember anything from this conversation, I'm going to be sad. But remember this, start today. Mm. Start today and don't have these ulterior motives. Just reach out. What make friends you just don't know what's going to happen um, in the future and and with that said Dan so how can people learn more about you yeah I think LinkedIn is is yes. kind of my weapon of choice so yes. so you know feel free please you know I love uh, speaking to people send me a message it might take me a few days to get back to you but you know just just reach out just Dan Reed uh, I think Dan Reed 86 but anyway I'm on LinkedIn yeah. Yeah. do that and and actually just to your point there there's someone who I've kind of built up a friendship with on LinkedIn I've never met the guy yeah um, but we've built this authentic uh, friendship now to the point where I'm going to be introducing him to people at Adobe because that's a company he's really interested in uh, and who knows right so knows? I think just just do that just, just yeah do that. no that's wonderful I'll, I'll definitely link your uh, LinkedIn URL as well as the the, the blog in thank the you. show notes this has been such a pleasure Dan thank you so much and all the best at Adobe and beyond <laughs> thank you so there you have it I hope you enjoyed listening to the show and if you did I'd love for you to do one little thing go to Apple Podcasts so that's podcast.apple.com and leave me a review. This really, really helps the discoverability of the show and can help inspire job seekers out there to find jobs and take care of their families. Can you think of anything more important right now? Hmm, I didn't think so. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to get to know you and what you liked about the show. And, and perhaps if you have ideas, feel free to reach out. So take care of yourself. And until next time, bye for now.